Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. When it comes to these last days, before the return of Jesus Christ, Jesus exhorts us to be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you don't think he will. The context of these verses, of course, is spiritual, that we need to be prepared spiritually, but we also need to be prepared physically. So it's important for us to be wise, be ready physically for whatever the future is going to bring, because only God knows what that is. While we believe God will call his church to himself before his tribulation wrath begins, we are very likely to experience many birth pangs of trouble, sorrow, and other things before that time comes, including natural disasters, famines, pestilence, and anything else God chooses to allow on this earth. So we're certainly seeing the signs of these things today, which means the time's ready. Jesus is going to be coming soon according to all the fulfilled prophecies, So we need to be ready spiritually for that, that we'll talk about later in the program. But we also want to talk about being prepared physically. Living in Nebraska, we all know how to prepare for tornadoes or for blizzards, the importance of having flashlights and batteries and radios and the things like that. But what about other disasters or what about simply being prepared for the unexpected? I'm Debbie Blank, here today with our co-host, Jan Weil, who will introduce a special guest who is going to answer many of your questions relating to how to be prepared in these last days. I'm Jan Weil, and I'm excited to be co-hosting for the first time as I fill in for Jackie Sailors. I'm also excited to have a friend of mine, Megan Wygant, in the studio with us today. Megan is a wife and mother who has a heart for preparing her household for potential disasters. Megan, would you tell us what brought you to Omaha, what you do, and a little background on what first motivated you to start preparing your household for potential disasters, and then just your general mindset on getting prepared? Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me today. So what brought us to Omaha, my husband is a pastor at Redeemer Church. I do the children's ministry and the youth ministry. Um, The last couple of years with all of the COVID and everything, it has opened our eyes to how quickly our economy and our supply can change. For us, we have been getting ready for whatever may come. The reason that we do this, this is for us an insurance policy. We pay car insurance, we pay house insurance, life, dental, even people have pet insurance. We don't blink an eye when we have to pay our insurance each month, even though we're not thrilled by it, but we do it because of those unexpected things. If I get in a car accident and I don't have car insurance, I can't add it on later. So for us, prepping and getting our house ready for the unexpected is an insurance policy. It is something that we will use regardless of whether there's an accident or not. We will have the supplies ready if needed. Second Thessalonians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica because they thought they had missed the rapture and that they were now in the tribulation. And Paul expanded on that explaining that no you're not in the tribulation yet and then in the end of second thessalonians in in verse 10 of chapter 3 he said the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat so it seems like as we look all through scripture there's certainly examples of us needing to be proactive and prepare and be active not just sitting and waiting for jesus to come 
So Megan, what do you say to someone who says, oh, I'm, I'm not really going to prepare, I'm, I'm just going to wait and trust in God? Being prepared does not mean that you are not trusting God. We see over and over in scripture that God called his people to be prepared for whatever it was coming. We look at Joseph. Joseph was called to prepare because he told him, you have seven years of good and then seven years of famine. And he was called to prepare during that time, knowing that the other side was coming. If we look around, we have world leaders who are talking about famine, who are talking about global food shortages. So for us, being prepared is looking and seeing what is going on in the world and taking action for the things that are coming. It's being proactive now, but it doesn't mean that we don't trust God with our future. Noah had to pick up the hammer. He had to start building the boat. He had 150 years to build the boat and to get ready for what was coming, but he had to be proactive in doing it. It wasn't that he didn't trust God to provide, but he had to be active. And so for us, trusting God isn't about sitting on our hands and not doing anything. Trusting God is saying, okay, I'm seeing what you're doing and I'm going to be part of it in the meantime. What's the difference between being prepared and hoarding? That's fantastic questions. Being prepared means that I am going to have the things necessary for my family going forward. Hoarding means I'm going to go buy a ton of stuff that I have no idea how or when I'm going to use it and I'm just going to stockpile it like a chipmunk. You have 150 boxes of mac and cheese. You buy everything you can get your hands on and you don't even eat mac and cheese. You don't even have a reason for it. That would be hoarding. Preparing is saying, okay, what is it that my family is currently using? What do I want to make sure that I will have if it's not available at the store? And those are the things that I'm going to do. It is not about just stockpiling stuff up, throwing it in the closet and not knowing what you have so that you don't use it. What are the things that you are preparing for? What are you buying? Okay, so for my family, the things that we're preparing for is we look at it, we know inflation's already here, right? We're not surprised by that. So we know that everything is going to be costing more and more. So I know that my funds are not going to continue to grow. So I'm going to start buying stuff right now when it's a little bit cheaper than it will be. So I'm preparing that way. And then I'm preparing for that famine. I'm preparing for the global food shortages. I'm preparing for being able to go to the store and maybe not find the foods or the items that we're used to having. And so I'm stocking those items now in preparation for what's to come. Megan, I think the thought of preparing can just be overwhelming for many, many people. So are there some basic things we can do to get started so that we're not feeling so overwhelmed? Absolutely. The thought of preparing is completely overwhelming for most people. That fear causes people to become inactive. It's easy to say, I am afraid, and so I'm just going to stick my head in the sand and not do anything. But that doesn't keep the bad stuff from coming. It just makes you unprepared when it does. Instead of looking around and saying, I can't do everything, so I'm just going to do nothing, break it down. Take the next couple days and make a list of everything that you touch and use over the next couple days. From morning till night, when you wake up, have a pen and paper with you and start writing things down. Okay, I wake up, I brush my teeth, I wanna have toothbrush and toothpaste, I wanna take my vitamins, I wanna have coffee. That's the lifeline for a lot of people, right? So like these items that I wanna have, I'm still gonna to wanna to have even if they're not in the store. That means I have to prep them now. So preparing and prepping isn't only just food, it's also going to be toiletries and medicine and supplies that you would need. So making a list over the next couple of days of everything that you touch. Everything that you use consistently is a great place to start because it is overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be if you break it into smaller, manageable 
chunks. Our family likes a particular stuffing mix. Now, we don't like any stuffing. It has to be this one particular brand and color and just perfect. They've been out of it for a year. So I have really had to search to find it. When I found it recently, I ended up buying eight packages because I wanted to know that I had it in time for Thanksgiving plus all along the way. Now, that seems a little extreme, but I think that's what you might call a little prepping, something that we like, that we want to make sure we have. That's a minor thing. It's only one thing. Rice and beans and staples are important. But when you buy these items that you use, how many months worth do you have stored up or is there no limit to that? That's a great question. There is not a limit. When you are looking for the things that you're going to prep, for us, if we're looking at this biblically, we're looking at we don't know when Jesus is coming back, right? We know that we're going to have birth pains. We know that things are going to be rough, famine and everything that comes with it. We don't know how long famine will last or how long global food shortages will last. So our mindset in our family is we are going to prep and prepare for as long as we can. It's impossible to think I'm going to go buy years of food and years of stuff right this second. That's impossible. But if you say, okay, I'm going to start with buying some extra right now. I'm going to start with buying the things that we like. Maybe it's something that's hard to find, right? I'm going to start with the things that I know my family is currently eating. I'm going to start with maybe a two-week supply. And when you get two weeks, okay, well, I can now, maybe I'm going to have a month or a couple months and keep going out for as long as you can. I want my family to eat and have the resources necessary, regardless of what comes our way. We are not just shoving in a pantry or a closet and not knowing what we have. This is stuff that we are going to know what we have. We're going to be getting the stuff that we currently eat. Because if you hate rice and beans or you hate some of these things and that's all you have, who wants to eat only those things? So you're, you're going to be stocking the things that you currently eat. And you might have to modify it if you only eat fresh vegetables. You want to have shelf-stable items, right? So you're going to have to have a can of green beans, even though the fresh is better. And so you're going to want to bring in the food that you eat and you're going to rotate it. So it's not like we have to worry about not using it. It's not going to be shoved away and wasted. It's only going to get more expensive. We don't want to be wasteful with the resources that God's providing us with. We want to be smart. We want to be wise so that we can continue to use those resources going forward. And that would be one of, I think, a concern that a lot of people have. You look at the canned goods and maybe they they go out a year, maybe two years, and you buy 10 cans of green beans and then they expire before you get a chance to use them. What is your advice there? We call the expiration date on products is not really an expiration date. It is a best buy date. That's when they have the full like nutritional value, but they do not expire then. Cans that are stored properly, that means that we're not storing them in garages or in attics or storing them in temperature controlled spaces. If we store our cans properly, especially canned goods, they last for a really long time. Years and years and years past expiration, they don't really expire tomato products, you can get like 18, another extra year or so off of tomato products. And then foods like nuts or peanut butter or things like that, that can go rancid. You can get about 18 months off of that, off the best buy date. But canned veggies, canned meat, canned fruits, those types of things last for significantly longer. What we always do is we take a Sharpie and we write the best buy date on the top of the product so we can see it. And then we rotate our supplies. So we're always using the older stuff first and then rotating in. It's my understanding, Megan, that you're a wife and a mom. 
You're not in this business of selling products. You're not here to make a profit. You don't have a company. You just have an interest. So you have taken this interest and you've put a lot of time and effort into it. You've taught some classes on it and you've learned a lot. What are some of the other items you would recommend? What about cooking or what about generators or anything like that? I am not an expert. I have been very passionate about this because I feel like it is a big necessity in my job God has given me is to take care of my family. And so this is something that I have spent time researching. I have been following a lot of people on social media, like Instagram and other places that are preppers who have done this for decades. And I have been listening to them and getting wisdom from them and applying it to us. When it comes for prepping, it isn't just food and items. Those are great places to start. We need water, we need food. But since they've been telling us things like power outages and rolling blackouts, we have to be prepared for that as well. We have all this food, but if we don't have a way to cook it, then we're going to be in trouble. So yeah, when we are talking about prepping, we're also thinking about how can I do my day-to-day functions without modern conveniences. If I can't run to the microwave, if I can't turn on my faucet, if I don't have electricity, how can I do that? So how am I going to cook my food? How am I going to purify my water? How am I going to heat cool my house if possible? Those are absolutely things to start thinking of as well. And again, I understand that this gets very overwhelming. And so breaking it down, first thing, food and water, we have to have those. The next thing is how am I going to get the water and purify it? How am I going to cook the food? Those are kind of our top priorities. And it doesn't have to be huge, expensive things. You can get small rocket stoves. Amazon's a great place. Again, I don't make any money. I don't have I don't have any sponsors for this. I'm not going to tell you what brand to buy. But you can also make rocket stoves if you look on YouTube with cinder blocks and bricks. So there's lots of ways to do things very cheap if you just take a little bit of time and research it now while we have the resources available. Do you have any websites you recommend, places they can go to learn about this or even buy particular products? We have a Google document that has all of the things that we have been researching. It's got products, it's got supplies to start getting, and it has website links already in there as well. And how can they obtain that? We have that on our website, which is www.whileintheword.com slash events. There are also YouTube links to the classes that Megan has taught on disaster preparedness and the link to the Google document that has a categorized list of short-term supplies that you should be thinking about, long-term supplies, not just food, but how to store food long-term, what to do about power outages, what to do about no longer being able to use your toilets in your house, how to purify water. All of that information is available to anyone who would like to take a look at it. That's while in the word, W-H-I-L-E in the Word, W-O-R-D dot com backslash events. Correct. They can find out all this information that we're talking about today. Very important because it'll put meat on the bones as to where they can go to find these things and then allow our listeners to start thinking about this and praying about it and see if this is something God is leading you to. For a long time, I thought, well, you know, I don't want to do this. I'll let somebody else do it and hopefully it'll be a family member that they'll help me out when the time comes. And then I've come to realize I need to do some things. Now, my house is not large enough to store a lot of items. So what do you do when you're in a position of minimal storage space? 
I totally understand that. Our house has very limited storage as well. And so part of this, we have to be creative. I guarantee all of us have closets and drawers and things that we haven't touched in probably years. First thing that we can do is we can go through and we can start inventorying our closets and our cabinets and start saying, what have we used and what can we get rid of? Maybe we need to repurpose it. Maybe we need to rehome it. And so start clearing out space. Um, If we're looking for priority, I want my priority will be how can I store food, not necessarily having five Christmas trees and a bunch of random stuff my kids don't use or play with anymore. Going through and looking at the storage space available. Also, we have wasted space under beds. You can get the bed risers to raise it up, but you have space under beds, in closets, under coffee tables or behind furniture. There's lots of places that you can store food. You cannot store in garages and attics. And if your basement has water leakage or has moisture issues, then you couldn't store there either. The things that affect food storage is temperature, light, oxygen. Here in Nebraska, we have both extremes. And so if we are storing our food in the garage, it's gonna go bad. The best buy dates, if it's in controlled areas is good. If it's in crazy hot, crazy cold, it won't last. And so we wanna make sure that we are being careful with how we store our food, but you have space in your in your house if you just start getting creative. So Megan, we can put paper products in the garage. We can do those things, but not food products. They cannot be in heated environments. Yeah, you want temperature controlled as best as possible. Now, if we lost power, our houses are going to get hot or going to get cold. But to the best of our ability, we're not storing things in our garage or attic. Megan, what other foods might last? You know, what if we have to do this for 10 years or longer? Are there other foods that we could be storing up that would last longer? So you always hear the typical rice and beans, which rice and beans are good. However, they do require a lot of energy and water to cook. So you need to know how to do that. If you do not know how to cook dry rice and beans now without the internet, look it up, print it out. Rice and beans are a good staple. Those two combined create a complete amino acid. So that is a good protein source. You can also look at pastas, look at some of the things your family eats, but also going forward, start a garden. Start making connections with local people now who have chickens or eggs or cows or meat or milk and those types of things. Having a local connection is going to be really important. But when it comes to food storage, start looking at the things that last longer and then having ways to store them properly. Mylar bags with oxygen absorbers are phenomenal for long-term food storage because, again, it keeps the light out and keeps the moisture out. It helps with temperature and bugs and all of that stuff as well. If I put rice in a mylar bag with an oxygen absorber, how long would that last? Well, a lot of people say like 25 to 30 years. It has a a long life because rice doesn't really go bad. Rice is a phenomenal item to have stored. Now, again, if you hate rice, maybe start learning to like it, but having ways to also season it, having seasoning, having ways to make the stuff that you're eating palatable is going to be good. I love rice, but plain rice is not my favorite. So I want to add seasoning to it. So having things that you can season food with is going to be very important. Megan, we have so many questions, and I know that we can get them on the website, but what do we do if we don't have water or if we don't have access to electricity? What do we do if we don't have access to our computers to get the information at that time that we're going to need? Absolutely. So we can't survive more than three days without water. Water is going to be a top priority. Starting right now, the easiest thing to do is buying bottles of water and cases of water. They say that you need a gallon of water per person per day. That includes cleaning, cooking, and drinking. For most of us, we're not going to be able to store that much water in our limited space. 
So we're storing what we can, again, using our limited space under beds, in closets. But another thing that we have is called a Berkey. Again, in our Google document, it has a link to some water purification systems, but a Berkey is what we use and it filters water. We also have a rain barrel system where we can collect water to be able to purify it, to drink it. There are other ways. There's water purification tablets. There is a ratio of bleach to water drops that you can use to clean water as well. Unless you have a stream or a pond or a lake, you're going to have to have some water and then you're going to have to be able to purify it. So that's going to be crucial when it comes to electricity. Without power, most of us are so dependent on the internet. So having hard copies of things is going to be very important. Picking up cookbooks, printing off recipes, create a binder, printing off important documents, things that you absolutely need to have, having a hard copy of that is going to be very important. With these rolling blackouts that they're promising, we don't know how long those are gonna last. They could last days, they could last weeks, it could be months. Having hard copies, whether it be printouts or books is gonna be very, very important. Um, Electricity, obviously we need um, light. So having candles, having lanterns, having oil for the lanterns or having batteries, if you have LEDs, having enough batteries to last is gonna be important. There are solar options as well. It doesn't have to be super expensive, but you need to be thinking about how am I going to see? Again, we talked about how am I going to cook? Do I have the fuel? Do I have the resources needed for that to go forward as well? A couple of things you've mentioned are interesting. My first question is, how long does bottled water last? So bottled water has a little bit of, it has a few years on it, but it'll go longer than that. It's kind of tastes a little funny after a while you can open it up and let oxygen get back into it and that'll help it for the most part most of us are not going to have a storage space to store water past expiration we're going to be using it and again part of this is we're not hoarding so we're using what we buy buying what we use so if i bring in cases of water i'm going to rotate them i'm going to rotate them out and i'm going to use them so we're not just shoving them in a closet and not using them we're, we're rotating through the stuff that we have as well. And here we are at a point in life where for decades now, people have been talking about storing all their information on the internet, on the computer, so they would have it at their hands. And now we're going back to the hard copies, but we need to. I heard a printer recently saying that he has to store up pallets and pallets of paper because he's having a hard time getting it right now. So a key that you have said to all of this is, Figure out what you need and make sure you have enough to last for as long as you can afford to buy the products to have them as well as places to store them. That's very important. Now, the last thing is you keep mentioning a video. Is the video on the website that we've been talking about? Yeah. So in the Google document that we've talked about, whileintheword.com backslash events, it has the link to our YouTube video. In that video, it's about an hour and a half, we went through an entire class. We have a question and answer period at the end, but it goes into a lot more depth on all of these subjects, on how to store food, what to store, what to do about water, what to do about electricity, what to do about gardening and skills and knowledge that you need. All of that is in that video, as well as showing some actual products that my family is using. Again, we don't make any money on that. This isn't a sponsorship. But these are the things that we've researched, and these are the things that we feel are important going forward. But that video has a ton of stuff. It's hard to go into everything in this short amount of time, but I would really encourage you to watch the video so that you have an idea of where to start so that this isn't overwhelming. And more than anything, just get started because being afraid does not keep the things from happening. 
it makes you unprepared. So doing something now that will help you for the future is going to be important. We've been talking today with Megan Wygott. She is a homemaker. She's a mother and a wife who takes care of her family and wants to be prepared in the future. She's given us some great ideas for prepping. Don't misunderstand us. That's not hoarding. Hoarding is something where we take items that we don't need and we keep them, whereas Preparing is helping our families and maybe helping others when the time comes. We can learn more about what we're hearing today and what Megan's been talking about at whileintheword.com backslash events. I encourage you to go there and find out how you can be prepared physically for these last days. But we also want to prepare you spiritually because the word of God is our plumb line. That's where we learn what we're to do and how we're to be prepared. And Jesus told us in these last days, we need to be ready. We need to be prepared, mostly spiritually, because God does amazing things when we're prepared spiritually, such as when he fed the woman from Seraphath by Elijah in a miraculous way. You can go read that story for yourself. But for today, I want to end with Jesus' own words from Matthew 24, starting in verse 42, because he tells us the very first thing is that we need to be alert, for you do not know when your Lord is coming. So alert means alert in every way, spiritually most importantly, because Jesus warns us that there's going to be a lot of deception in these last days, but also physically. He goes on to say, but be sure of this, that if the head of the household had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. That goes with us. We need to be on the alert and make sure that we have food to take care of our household. Then he goes on to say in Matthew twenty four forty four, for this reason, you be ready to Well, we're ready for Jesus to come because it goes on to say, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think he will. Same thing. We don't know when a hurricane is going to happen or in our case, a tornado or famine or any of those things. But as Megan said, they're telling us these things are going to happen. We're going to have rolling blackouts. We're going to have famines. So we need food to prepare our families. So be ready. Be alert. Be faithful is the next point in verse 45. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? Interesting, that correlation of food. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly, truly, I say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. So God warns us spiritually that we need to be prepared to know that we're living in the last days before Jesus returns. Are we spiritually alert to that? Or are we just saying, ah, they've been saying that for thousands of years and it hasn't happened. I'm sure it's not going to happen in my lifetime. Well, how do you know? You don't because no one knows the day or the hour. Now is the time to turn our hearts to Jesus Christ so that we become those faithful servants that he's talking about here who do what the Father wants us to be doing in these last days. And he wants our hearts to be turned to him. He wants us to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants us to make sure that we are going to be with him and serving him in this world and then going to be with him in the next. Do you have that relationship with Jesus? Be prepared physically. Get your house in order. More importantly, be prepared spiritually because once Jesus comes, it's going to be too late. 
we don't know what people will have the opportunity to come to know Christ during the tribulation period, but we certainly know that if we haven't accepted Christ now, we might not at that next step. So turn to Jesus today. Give your life to him and let him guide you in all these things he wants you to do for him and for your family. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.